welcome to episode 8 of the Bookcast Club. After a two-month break, Alice and I have lots of books to talk about. In this episode, we talk recent and current reads, our thoughts on the Women's Prize for Fiction longlist, and our plans for our first time at the Hay on Y Festival. If you have any questions, thoughts or ideas for future episodes, then get in touch with us on Twitter, where we're at Bookcast Club, or by email on thebookcastclub at outlook.com. If you enjoy the Bookcast Club, please do leave us a review and rating on iTunes and recommend us to your friends. Enjoy the podcast! I think we're a bit late with this one. We are. I can't remember when we last recorded. Well, my Skype tells me that the last time we spoke on Skype was the 10th of February, so two months. Oh, yeah. So I've got, I've had my hair blonded slightly, oh, not yes. really very, but it's, uh, I've got some balayage going on, which I'm very pleased balayage, with. Balayage, that's such a weird... <laughs> I know, it's such an odd word. word. But yeah, I just sort of went into the hairdressers and was just like, this is what I want? And she was like, okay, so balayage, I've done this like <laughs> five times today, but okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> Do you want to start with your currently reading or do you want to start with recent reads well i think you ought to start with recent reads because i haven't been reading anything lately i think i've been in a big fat reading slump and i've just embraced the big fat reading slump this time i normally (laughs) wouldn't i'd normally be like oh my god i've got to read something but actually i think this time i've gone no do you know what i I don't know why but maybe i need a break from it so i haven't really picked anything up I saw something on Twitter to that effect recently, actually. Somebody was saying about how we all really like reading and for people who really like reading like you and I, it becomes almost like quite a big part of your identity. And then when you go through a reading slump, you end up feeling really guilty about not reading. Yeah. And that makes you want to read less. And it's just kind of a vicious cycle. And this person was saying about, it's important to just kind of give yourself a bit of a rest sometimes. And if you don't want to read, that's fine. If nothing's piquing your interest, that's fine. Um, And I think I tend to go through those kind of slumps if I'm trying to read something that I really don't want to read, but that I think I should read. So if I, you know, and this is partly why I didn't do English in secondary school, because I was just like, well, I did it obviously to GCSE because you have to but I didn't do it as an A-level because I was like I knew that I'd get these big slumps and I wouldn't have any interest in reading books that I really wanted to actually read so I don't blame you at all no I think think normally that's exactly you've described exactly how it feels and I feel guilty that I'm not reading and I think perhaps I've just learnt to accept that actually I don't know I, I don't do mindless reading you know yeah I think well yeah I don't think either of us do particularly you know I don't read chick chick lit and yeah I don't read easy reads and I think before I'd have forced myself to just think oh I'll just pick up something easy but then actually I don't enjoy it so that doesn't help so I think I've just been listening to podcasts and playing Call of Duty with Ben, which is just ridiculous. Do you know what? I think that's That's the mindless stuff that I needed to do rather than try and read books that I've got no interest in. Fair enough. I so I since we last recorded, I've read four books, which is partly because I've been to the States and I had so I had two long flights and at the at the end of it I had a few days on my own, so I got quite a bit of reading done while I was in the States and since I've been back I've actually read the two books I've read since I've been back have been much more chick litty than I would normally read um and I've got sort of 
a page of my kind of bullet journal it's not really a bullet journal because I don't track what I'm actually doing it's just a nice looking journal now where I write things down um where I've sort of recorded what I've and I've got a page where I've recorded what I've been reading and on these last two I've both said that they're much more chick-litty than I would normally read um and that's and that's given me a bit of a brain break actually before going back into what I'm reading now so yeah so in terms of recent reads um I'm not going to bore you all with the full details of all four um but the first of the four that I've read since we last spoke is Life After Life by Kate Atkinson and oh my god I know I said a little while ago that Call Me By Your Name is probably going to be my book of the year I think it's been knocked off already by Life After Life um it is incredible it's not like anything I've ever read before so I've read um A God in Ruins by Kate Atkinson before and A God in Ruins is kind of a I guess a companion book to Life After Life so Life After Life was written first and it's from the perspective Life After Life is from the it's all about this woman called Ursula Todd and basically it's kind of alternate lives for her so it starts with her being born and in like the first one she is born with the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck and she dies before she's even taken a first breath and then the next one she goes through a certain amount of life and then something goes wrong and she passes away again and it kind of goes on like this from sort of the 19 teens I can't remember I think it's like 1918 actually when she might be born or it might be 1910 um all the way up to sort of around the second world war and it's absolutely fascinating it's so well written it's so cleverly done um because you kind of often loop back to this starting point um and you realize that something's happened that's obviously potentially killed her off or that you know the story's reset in some way and you see some of these characters kind of coming in and out of the different storylines and it kind of makes you realize it's that kind of thing that I often think about of would you have met these people anyway you know when you're going through life if if you you know you sometimes meet people through uni or through work or through friends of friends and it's like if if I hadn't done x would y have happened and it kind of the the whole book is kind of about that and it's fantastic it's honestly really really clever and I thought that A God in Ruins was really good and the the linking factor between the two is that A God in Ruins is about Teddy Todd which is Ursula's brother in Life After Life so there's kind of you know that link but A God in Ruins is much more of a traditional narrative really and it kind of jumps around in time that jumps around in time a bit um between kind of him as a child and him in the air force and him as an old man but you know it's kind of pretty pretty straightforward um so I was kind of expecting that from life after life and I was so pleasantly surprised and when I I had that I started that book on the day that I flew out to the states and I had a four-hour delay on my flight on the way out and I just sat there and read and read and read and then I had a an 11 hour flight and read and read and read and got through and kind of pretty much plowed through it in those 15 or so hours um I really couldn't put it down and I don't say that lightly so yeah honestly fantastic book I think if I was if I was rating it I'd probably give it 4.5 out of 5 only because I don't really ever think in giving anything 5 out of 5 but this would this would be edging up there it really would yeah I've heard it's um I haven't read any Kate Atkinson but 
I think it was getting a lot of attention on booktube last year possibly if not the year before yeah. um saying that this one was really good so it's historical fiction yeah. isn't it yeah it is it is but it's also kind of not really because it just kind of is like because the the time setting isn't really crucial to the story in a lot of ways it kind of adds a bit of an extra layer but it's not kind of the be all and end all to it you could this book could really have been set at any time right okay um but it does add kind of a nice extra element to it i guess yeah i think i didn't i think i'd enjoy it it sounds like something i'd enjoy i think you would it's got a fox on the cover isn't it it does yeah yeah because the house the house they live in is called fox corner um and it's all very sort of idyllic english countryside kind of you know big swathes of it are like that which i always quite like in a book um but yeah it's if you're looking for kind of an interesting summary read um i really would recommend it it's great i'm gonna give that a go one day please do (laughs) so do you want to go with one of your reads or should i carry on with um i can do a well i can do a current read if you like yeah so having said that i don't read mindless fiction (laughs) um I do sometimes, I quite like reading horror, so, and I tend to buddy read horror books with my friend Tracy, because we both really like horror, and uh, the one I'm reading at the moment is called The Deep by Nick Cutter. Now, I haven't read too much into what it's about, Um, basically Tracy chose it, and I was like, okay, I'll go with that. It's set under the ocean so all I really know at the moment is that there's like a plague destroying the world and um I don't know whether they're trying to like discover the cure or you know the the cure is at the bottom of the ocean but that is where the protagonist heads down to the depths down in the depths of the Pacific Ocean and his brother is also on this like research lab as well and nothing horrible's happened yet, and I'm only sort of other than like loud bangs and big squids banging on the <laughs> I don't know submarine. It's um, yeah. Having said, I don't read mindless fiction. It yeah, it probably as mindless as you can get, really. <laughs> um, my friend's already finished it, and she just texts me saying it's horrible. And I don't think she meant that in a horror kind of way. I think she meant it in a it's horrible kind of way. So um, we'll see where it goes. Uh, the the guys met a dog on this uh, submarine A dog thing. at the bottom of the ocean. A dog at the bottom of the ocean. I was like, <laughs> oh, uh, he's just met the dog. She's like, well, he doesn't last long. I was like, right, okay. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, I've never read anything by uh, Nick Cutter before. Uh, Tracy vetoed one of his other ones because it's supposed to be really horrible so I don't know whether he just writes like horrible fiction what do you mean by horrible I think she means like just grim I think not as in like classic I wouldn't I wouldn't describe Stephen King as writing horrible horror like I think he writes suspenseful um very out there horror like sometimes you don't know where his ideas come from I mean sometimes his books verge on the horrible especially when it comes to like sexual stuff I'm assuming that's what she means maybe not sexual but as in horrible not scary that that (laughs) makes more sense more like human centipede versus like the shining yes horrible 
horrible versus not yeah. scary okay. <laughs> that makes sense but you know i'll find out we, it better not be human centipede level we'll see oh the book that she said was really horrible that we didn't choose is on the back and it's called the troop so the tro- <laughs> the, the troop i mean i don't know why she thinks this was horrible maybe she's just heard something so the troop is about a group of boy scouts that go into the canadian wilderness and then oh God. something something stumbles upon their campsite. Uh, the human mm. carrier of a bio-engineered nightmare. I'm getting the feeling that that's his kind of theme. Um, sort of bio plague Yeah, plaguey type things. things. Biohazard. Um, but yeah, she said that was supposed to be horrible, so... Oh yeah, mm. one, of the first review, one of the first reviews from a friend just says, well, that was graphic. <laughs> no, <I don't laughs> oh my know. God. Wow, that's oh dear. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. Yeah, honestly, I can't think of anything I'd want to read less. Genuinely, you don't that, do horror, do you? I really don't do horror. Like, I don't. I really just don't enjoy being scared. And I know oh, a lot of people you? get like a full-on adrenaline rush from it. And the closest I get is I do really like roller coasters, but the the saw roller coaster and that's quite scary as well (laughs) scared the living hell out of me honestly it scared the daylights out of me um i'm trying really hard not to swear as you can probably tell there are stronger words i would like to use and honestly i came off it the first time i went on it i came off it and i basically couldn't speak for about four minutes because it was just like and it wasn't so much the the actual roller coaster bit of it it was all kind of the the staging yeah yeah i went on it it with um Ben's niece and nephew and his little niece just cried so I'm not surprised how old is she well she's probably like 10 that's that's really little (laughs) the little Aiden who's who's like six was fine he was fine with it all um I'm gonna talk about it's not really a current read but it, it fits in with here and I was gonna talk about it anyway um basically I'm gonna recommend a film based on a book that I really enjoyed so I went to see A Quiet Place the other day as soon as we're talking about horror I'll talk about it now um Fair it's enough, got Emily Blunt in it and yeah, I think I've heard about this is it it's something to do with a monster that can that tracks people by sound yes. and they have to be silent yes so basically okay. there's these monster alien type things um they never really explain where they've come from and yeah, they're completely blind and they're attracted to sound. So the whole, for the first like half an hour of the film, like they barely make any noise other than like little bare feet, like walking around and whispering very, very quietly to each other. Um, you get the impression that they've only survived because their daughter is deaf so that they, they can do sign language. So that's how the whole family communicates to each other. Oh, so wow. they don't really that's have to talk. Um, so yeah, it's really good at building up the suspense because obviously you're, you're just waiting for them to make a noise and um, you're waiting for these monsters to attack but the book that it reminded me of so if you liked the book bird box then i really recommend you go and see a quiet place and if you've seen a quiet place and want a book that's similar bird box by i have to look it up Josh Malaman, I don't know if that's how you say his name, is very similar. So in Bird Box, they, 
I wonder if they got the idea from this book. I'm not sure. Basically, if, you, if you're about to make Bird Box into a film, you'd be really pissed off that A Quiet Place had come out and <laughs> stolen your thunder. Because Bird Box is, again, about monsters or aliens, except you, you never know what they are because the people in Bird Box can't see them. So all you know is that if they see one of these monsters, then they die. So you're never really told what they look like. Everybody walks around blindfolded and it's one of the best horror books I've read. Without... That sounds literally terrifying. <laughs> without being like horrible. <laughs> so it's it's a horror book that isn't horrible. Um, but it's, yeah, it's probably one of the scariest I've read because of the suspense it builds up because you never know what they're hiding from. And the reason it's called Bird Box is like outside the house they're in, they've got this box or cage of birds that obviously kick off when there's one of these monsters around so yeah it's very very similar and I recommend both of them if you were yeah a fan of one or the other yeah because there's a book that I've had see I so yeah I say that I'm not into horror I'm not really into horror I'm not into fictional horror but I do really like true crime and there's that a book... be very horrible maybe you, I know maybe you like horrible books not horror books see I don't know because I think the thing that I find more interesting is the kind of the psychology of why people do horrible things so yes I think I actually like the psychology of why people do horrible things so more so than the the horrible horrible thing itself it's yeah it's more about kind of why people do things and what the reasoning is behind it and there's a book that was recommended or that I saw on a cup of joe last week maybe and now i'm trying to find what the book was called oh there it is so yeah so they did a they basically did a piece on like last week basically titled do or don't very scary books and most people well it's pretty much 50 50 split in the comments of that of that post actually um of people being like yeah i think they're great and other people being like literally can't imagine anything worse and book that they recommended is called I'll Be Gone in the Dark by uh, by Michelle McNamara and she sadly passed away while she was writing it so I don't think it's completely finished but it's about the Golden State Killer and I've heard very very good things about it but basically Joanna Goddard who writes A Cup of Joe said that she made it all the way to page 16 before having to give up <laughs> because she got so frightened by it. What's it and called? Uh, I'll be gone in the dark and basically the Golden State Killer would creep into people's houses at night and attack them while they slept oh no so see now I don't like person... things like that see <laughs> I remember yeah. watching did you ever watch Luther no so series three of Luther they're like serial killer in that basically hides in people's wardrobes or under people's beds and honestly that I love horror films I went to see A Quiet Place by myself I go by myself because <laughs> no one will come with me but that series of Luther absolutely terrified me because I it, I think cause yeah. it's real like there's the potential yeah. for that to be real like in reality, I know that I don't have to creep around and be quiet because the monster's going to attack me. I know that I don't have to give birth to a baby silently because the monster might attack me. But, but that oh that series of Luther I found terrifying. Yeah, so maybe I see, wouldn't like this book. <laughs> see, to be fair, as soon as I start thinking about the possibility that somebody could do that, I don't, do start to get don't, really freaked out. So, <laughs> don't like, think about I'm it. In, I'm in my flat on my own right now. And... 
I'm a bit like, okay, yeah. But then I live on a busy London street, so the likelihood of somebody being able to creep into my house without anybody noticing is slim to none. I'll let you there's know a street if I lamp see someone right behind you. My house. Thanks, please do. <laughs> there's, a, you know, there's a street lamp right outside my house. If you were going to try and break into a house, you'd, the, there's probably others you would pick than mine. You'd be um, fine. I think I'll be fine. But yeah, so I do quite want to read this, but I do think that it will be one that I'd have to read like on the tube in daylight With rather than around you. in bed you know, <laughs> on my own. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, well, should we go back on to slightly lighter topics? Yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, so like I said, I'm not going to go into great detail with the other three recent reads, but to give you a quick rundown. Um, so I've recently, very recently finished What Fresh Hell by Lucy Vine. And I read Hot Mess by Lucy Vine last year, and I saw her speak at an event called How to Survive Your Twenties with um, Daisy Buchanan and a couple of other writers whose names have escaped me now and her first book was about um I've literally just lost my train of thought completely hot mess sorry her first book (laughs) was about basically being a 20 something and your life falling apart which I could obviously really relate to and this one is about planning a hen party for your bridezilla best friend which I can't relate to insofar as the hen party I'm planning is not for a bridezilla, it's for the most (laughs) chilled woman ever and who is lovely and brilliant and I love her to pieces and Charlie, please don't think I'm talking about you, but I am planning a hen party at the moment (laughs) and there were some bits of it that rang so unbelievably true and I was practically crying with laughter and it's the bit where, so there's this whole bit about... um, Lila, the the protagonist, she um she sends an email to all of the hens, being like, okay, so these are all the details, and this is what's happening, and this is the, the amount of money, and when we're going, and where we're going, and she gets all of these messages back, being like, wait, so how much is it? Where are we going? Are we going abroad? Do I need a passport? And I was just like, I literally, from all of the hen parties I've been on, somebody can give you all of the information in the world, and there's always going to be somebody who comes back with a really stupid question and it's just about some of the stuff around like penis straws and women abroad and women on hen parties and I was just like yeah this is exactly what people can be like and it is both the best thing in the world and the worst thing in the world and there was a whole bit as well I think I feel like there was a bit about the bride being put to bed because she'd had too much to drink really early on and there's somebody that that? I know (laughs) that that Jenny so yes so that made me really chuckle I'd get to bed very early <laughs> I think we put you to bed at about 10 o'clock <laughs> half 10 at a push well yeah. my, I think my head was definitely down the toilet at 10 o'clock so. it definitely was yeah. so, so organising just... Hindus are always 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 like that exactly. always and I just think they bring out the worst in people where everybody just thinks of themselves mainly and everyone goes well I can't do that date and well I didn't think it was going to be that much and blah 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 blah, and well yeah I can't have afternoon tea and (laughs) you just think it's exactly it's It's exactly that and every hen party I've been on there has been some kind of incident like that of someone who makes your eyes roll (laughs) exactly and it's just and it, yeah, so it's a very true depiction of what being a bridesmaid or planning a hen party or just a close friend getting married can really be like. So yeah, so if you're if you're looking for a very light read, I mean, I think I read it in about 
two evenings um it's it's worth reading and there's some bits of it that are very extreme there's a bit right at the beginning about lime green vomit in a bucket and I was like okay this is a bit unnecessary and it's probably taking it a bit far and this was like right at the beginning so it is worth persevering past that bit and there's a whole thing about her her parents who just constantly argue that I think as a joke that was extended a bit too much if I'm completely honest but so it gets it almost veers into slapstick at some point but it is funny and it is good and Lucy Vine really does have a very a, a real talent of really pulling at the points of of being a 20 30 something woman um and what life is really like in 2018 and uh yeah and I thought it was really good so if you are planning a hen party at the moment do read it because it will make you realize that you really aren't alone (laughs) (laughs) um the other ones I've read are small great things by Jodie Pico or Picolt I think you say Pico um I've not read one of her books in ages I used to read loads of them and this one got recommended to me when I asked for chunky books to take away with me because I read quickly and blah 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 um and this one is probably one of her best ones I would say it's certainly one of the best ones that I've read and it's about um a black nurse who has who is banned from treating a baby by its white supremacist parents and it's about racism in the US I've talked a bit about this before and about how it's something that I'm trying to educate myself about more I probably should be doing more to educate myself about racism in the UK but I think I find it easier to start to start with something that's a little removed from me. So, you know, I'm trying. I am trying. Um, and it was very, very good. And it really was very sensitively done. Um, it was very, very interesting. There's some stuff about sort of police brutality and, you know, the difference in how black and white people are treated by the legal system in the US. I would have preferred for it to be a bit more nuanced. So I think it was quite easy to tell this story from the point of view of a black woman and a white supremacist whereas I think if it had been from just somebody who was just a bit racist who kind of didn't think of themselves as racist but was being I think it would have been possibly it would have been deeper I guess because you know it's easy to understand why a white supremacist would not want a black person touching their baby even if we don't agree with it you you know you kind of you're like well yeah of course somebody who's that much of an asshole wouldn't want somebody of a different race to them touching their child because they're awful but I think if it had been not a white supremacist it would have been it would have made people think a bit more I think of their own actions because it's easy to disassociate yourself from you know a white supremacist I guess mm. it's almost um, the easiest choice for her as an author isn't it to go yeah. with the two extremes rather exactly. than sort of choosing someone who just might harbour slightly racist views yeah exactly exactly that. or so maybe that that's my... the scarier maybe that is the scarier option as an author to do because that's the one you'd be challenged um by people more like cause it yeah it's the one that would be difficult Whereas, actually, if you choose the white supremacist, like, everybody hates them. So that's easy. Everyone's going to agree with you that they're assholes and you can... Yeah, they do awful things and you can write awful things about them. I wonder if 
it was actually the safer option to do that than to choose someone that might have yeah some like her readers might have related to a little bit more and made them uncomfortable exactly i think i think you've hit the nail on the head and i think that's probably exactly why she did it because it's yeah as you say it's easy to separate yourself from from somebody who has such extreme views um because you know you you think i would never do that i'd never treat somebody like that though it does it does make you think there are bits and pieces and there's a white lawyer within the um you know within the story because as you know as always her books pretty much always relate around some kind of court case and she's kind of the more nuanced character and she goes through kind of a I guess a journey of discovery within of herself and that within the context of this story so it is very good and it does really make you think um you know this is one bit in it where she's whether where the lawyer character is watching um a she's watching two homeless people and you know sort of from a distance and people are giving money to the white woman and they're not giving money to the black man and it's like again it's a, you know it's kind of strong tropes isn't it and it's you know kind of you know extreme two extremes and two there's two things two characteristics at play there I guess but um but you know it does make you think actually yeah like who would I be more likely to give money to if I was giving money to a homeless person and it's like you know there are some moments like that that do kind of make you go yeah I wonder what I would do in that situation so yeah so it's good it's an interesting read um if you like her books you will definitely like this one um if you've not read any of her books it's probably also worth a read um you know I wouldn't recommend it hugely strongly to everybody because I don't think her writing style is for everybody and I don't think her her thing of centering her stories around court cases is for everybody but it's something I quite like and I find quite interesting um so yeah if if you're into Jodi Pico then give it a go and the other one is a book called 800 Grapes by Laura Dave which I picked up at Powell's in Portland um which is the best bookshop in the world I think it's literally like the biggest bookshop in the world it's basically an entire city block and you go in there and you kind of go oh my god there are so many books and I'm never ever ever going to have time to read all of the books that I ever want to read so I might as well just buy about a million right now (laughs) I managed to walk out with like two I think did I yeah I only bought two because my suitcase was really full um I was pretty proud of my restraint um so basically 800 grapes is again reasonably chiclity it is set in um Sonoma County in California so it's about winemaking basically and it's it's your very traditional you know woman runs away home after there's an incident with her boyfriend and she you know there's all these secrets going on at home that she finds out about and there's this local winemaker and you can obviously guess what's going to happen from pretty much about page 10 um but it's good and there's some really interesting stuff about wine making and wine drinking in there which I quite like um and the characters are surprisingly well developed I think for such a chiclet kind of story um I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend it particularly highly I kind of plugged on with it a bit more than a bit longer than I probably should have and you know I did finish it maybe a two and a half out of five but I I don't think I've ever seen anything by Laura Dave before I would be interested in looking at if she's written anything else um and 
apparently she is a best-selling author but that is according to her her own website um oh the first husband is also by her which is one that i've heard about i think um the divorce party yeah so she's you can kind of you can kind of tell and london is the best city in america don't know what that one's about no it's weird it's probably about american expats um because because i know th- it's french expats like london has got so many french expats that it's kind of like the 17th biggest french city or french something city. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's obviously not but um so yeah i mean 800 grapes pretty interesting book um maybe worth a read if you're if you're if you see it somewhere i wouldn't go out of my way to to pick it up or to recommend it to anyone though Okay, um, I've got one more current read, and this is probably a bit that everyone's heard of. The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying by Marie Kondo. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> you've heard of this one, haven't you? I bought it for my mum because she got really stressed a little while ago because she felt that her house was really cluttered. <laughs> so I just ordered it and sent it to her on our, like directly from Amazon. Um, I don't think she's actually read it, though. And I've certainly not. I think like the world has read it. Think. I think loads of people have read it. Um, but basically, I am not an overtly messy person, but I am quite a messy person. Like, you wouldn't come to my house and it'd be filthy and there'd be stuff everywhere. Like, one, because I live with a neat freak, so it's just never going to happen. Um, but two, I'm, I'm not, like, the messiest person in the world. But I am quite I messy. Think- I've put myself back on sand, by the way. Um, the way I always phrase it is that I'm not a messy person. I'm not, a, like, a dirty person, but I am an untidy person. Yeah, that's it. I'm not so a dirty like, person, and actually I'm incredibly organised, but yeah, I'm untidy. Me and you exactly are probably that. fairly similar, actually. I think we probably are. So it's like, I never leave dishes undone. You know, I always wash everything up my laundry always goes in the laundry basket and gets done appropriately but you know I will often you know I'll leave shoes all over my bedroom floor I will it will take me a while to actually put away my clean laundry it will take me a while to like find homes for things if you know after birthdays and Christmas and stuff when I get presents yeah it's that I'm so yeah I'm untidy (laughs) yeah and I'm probably more untidy than you are like I would leave washing up um, not for like days but I'm quite happy to like leave it overnight and maybe do it leave it until I've run out of mugs and then I'll wash them all up so like yeah I can be like that but I'm also quite a hoarder and I'm not as bad as I used to be when I was younger I remember going home like recently my mum like handed me a load of stuff that I'd kept from uni and I think geez like why do I keep all this it's like tickets from things that I can't even remember what they were and just I'm a hoarder and I'm a collector and not as bad as I used to be but like my house is full of stuff so I've been meaning to read this for a while because it is about decluttering and kind of I guess making your life simpler by uh tidying your house (laughs) so I've started it and I mean, it's slightly problematic already, and I posted on Instagram today like that I'm having issues with it already because one of the examples she gives is like one of her clients wanted to be more feminine and she wasn't feminine enough because her house is a mess, and I'm like, oh, fuck what? off! Like, that's nothing to do with being feminine. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, that's um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna have to find the line that really annoyed me. I think I saw you post on Instagram. Yeah, I did. I posted it today. Um, it was about 
dieting to become more yeah beautiful. it was a comment on diet um yeah so i need to find the context as the sentence doesn't really make sense uh, look back over your notes about the kind of lifestyle you want and think again. Why do you want to do aromatherapy before bed? Why do you want to listen to classical music while doing yoga? If the answers are because I want to relax before bed and I want to, I want to do yoga to lose weight, ask yourself why you want to relax and why you want to lose weight. <laughs> Maybe your answers will be, I don't want to be tired when I go to work the next day. That's fine. Or, I want to diet so that I can be more beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> and that was yeah. the sentence I was like that's, that's, a, sake. that's a real so, turn off for like me. her attitude's annoying me a little bit already um, I think she's Japanese and she I don't know like it could be a cultural thing and I'm gonna let it pass me by because I do think some of the stuff that she's saying about decluttering and how you should do it is probably how I need to approach things I put that on Instagram and somebody replied saying, she also says that you should just rip the good pages out of books that you like and throw the book away. And I was like, what? okay, yeah, I don't think me and her are going to get on entirely. <laughs> no. Um, and I mean, I think for me as well, like, have you watched the, the new episodes of Gilmore Girls? Or have you watched Gilmore Girls yes. at all? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so the new episodes, do you remember there's that bit um, where Emily Gilmore is in the new ones, she's looking to to refine joy in her life and i won't give any spoilers as to why no. um she's looking and she's going through all of her stuff and she's like none of this is sparking joy and you know marie kondo is like you know you should look at each item and say does this spark joy and it's like well for one thing my my work clothes for instance don't exactly spark huge paroxysms of joy for me because they're work clothes and I kind of have to wear something smarter for work than I would do otherwise and this is the thing in Gilmore Girls is you know Emily's at a point where where nothing is going to spark joy for her so I think you've probably got to be quite careful about the mindset you're in when you approach this book yeah I think you have to be in a position where you're you're feeling good and you want to make positive changes for positive reasons rather than being like I hate everything I'm going to get rid of everything in my life and yeah so she does say there's an order to um i think does she call it decluttering uh so basically before you tidy you need to um what does she say discard so you discard first and she says basically you start with the things that wouldn't spark join like a bit like clothing so like get all your clothes out actually if you haven't worn them for a year why do you still have them? Unless they spark real joy in your life and therefore you can keep them. And I definitely need to do that because me and Ben are thinking of getting rid of our big wardrobes in our room um, to get like an antique kind of style wardrobe that's probably going to be a lot smaller. Um, I've just got so many clothes and I bet some of them I've not worn for years and years and years. So I do need to do it. <laughs> then, then she says, basically, you should end with the sentimental stuff. So you don't do the sentimental stuff until right at the end, because the sentimental things can really stall you in the whole process yeah. of uh, getting rid of things. And I think that makes sense. I mean, to be honest, I, I do have quite a bit of clutter, but because I've moved several times in the last few years, because, you know, hashtag London life, um, I I have got very good at getting rid of clothes in particular um, and stuff. I don't tend to carry a lot of stuff with me anymore. Like, basically, my entire life fits within my bedroom. Um, 
and it's a decent sized bedroom but it's not enormous so I think it's something that I kind of roll my eyes at slightly because because I've had to declutter over the last few years um just through you know I've you know the first time so my dad helped me move to London but the first time I moved within London I did it all on my own um I I am a smallish person I cannot carry tons of stuff and I just was like I can't be bothered to move all of this crap so you know I think it's probably a useful thing actually though if you are in the process of moving house and you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by it all um but yeah I'll be interested to hear what you think about it and if you if it changes your life because if it does, it'll probably change mine. <laughs> I'm mute myself. Um, okay. I'm not sure it's going to be life-changing, but we'll see. I think it'll help me declutter, because I definitely need to. I could do getting rid of some books, to be honest, because I've got so many that I'm never going to read that I need to get rid of some. So, yeah, I will, <laughs> I will report back at some point. No, that sounds that does sound good. I mean, whenever, whenever anybody says, oh, I'm going to get rid of some books, I'm always like, but why? Maybe one day you'll have a library. I feel like that's probably slightly unrealistic, though. But my mom maybe keeps telling I me won't, that... and I'll always yeah. live in this house, and my book collection will just keep growing, and it's too small. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I've got this massive six-foot um, bookcase at my mum's, um, as well as a few boxes of books in the loft, like my teenage years books. And I'm, she's just like, do you want to get rid of any of these? And my answer is always, no, I'm not going to. Um, so <laughs> I feel like I probably should as well yeah looking at my in all my stacks of book, books I mean you've seen my yeah. like haphazard book uh storage system um and it looks like it's all about to fall over at any moment <laughs> let's just hope it doesn't happen in in my sleep and it'll scare the crap out of me um okay so my current read that I've just started and I have no idea why I decided I wanted to read this but I'm reading The Spy Who Came In From The Cold by John Le Carre and I don't know what's made me decide to read this I tried to read it a few years ago and only got a few pages in and then was just like no I'm not in the right mood for this and since then I've been to Berlin and quite a lot of it's set in Berlin I think or at least the beginning part of it's set in Berlin so I can visualise things a bit better um which I think is possibly helping. And I think as well, it's kind of, you know, it's quite dark. It's, you know, it's a spy story. So it's a lot of dark, cold, misty nights kind of kind of thing. Um, I think it's probably because I watched the Career of Evil, the Cormoran Strike um, TV show that they, they did the third book recently. And it made me think, oh, I quite liked that kind of spy detective story. Maybe I should give, John Le Carre go again um so far I'm kind of enjoying it I mean I've not really read very much of it yet um to be honest I'm going to do the 50 pages rule with it though because given this is the second time I've tried to read it if I can't get past page 50 by you know sort of within the next couple of days it will probably just be yeah, put away sack it off <laughs> yeah you could get but rid I'm, of that one then I could get rid of that one then or I could <laughs> yeah I could I could <laughs> but I could also not <laughs> um, but yeah I think it's just one of those things I think it's a book that I should read and I'd quite want to read Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and this is the one that comes before it so I think this adds lots of context that's useful in Tinker Tailor so kind of want to have a look and see what's what 
But yeah. Cool. cool. Um, so we've kind of discussed how we might start talking about more topical things if we can yes. kind of keep abreast of the latest, <laughs> <laughs> you know, news in the literature Bookish world. News, yeah. Um, but I guess something that's quite topical is that me and you've booked tickets to go to the Hay Festival. We have. So if anyone's going, if, if anyone's going, not yeah, coming, we're there on the Saturday, on the first Saturday, because I think it yeah, runs over it two runs for weekends. a while, doesn't it? Yeah, so I think it's Friday of the the last Friday in May to the for like a week and then to the Monday. So it's um, it's on for about link ten, it in or the show notes, ten days or the, so. Like, hey, website um, and all the tickets and stuff. Yeah. So if anybody's going and is going to be there on the Saturday, let us know. That would be really fun. Um, yeah, we could say hello to people. Yeah, like the superstars that we obviously are. No. Um, so yeah, so we've booked tickets to go and see some really interesting signing things. Um, we're going to see Dolly Alderton, which I'm very, I'm very excited, excited about. about. Yeah, no, I think, well, because we, you know, we had to look through the list of people that were there and I was like, I don't yeah. really know anybody <laughs> um, apart from Dolly Alderton. Cause I, yeah, really like her, really like uh, the Hilo podcast. Yeah, I just started listening to it actually. Love stories. love stories. Love Stories is so good. And honestly, everybody really should read Everything I Know About Love, which I'm. Have you read it? Yeah, did I not talk about it last time? Well, you might have done. I yeah, hope I you might have done. I think time. you did. Yeah, so I think I'd possibly just started it last time that we spoke, um, and I finished it very quickly afterwards. And it's brilliant. Honestly, everybody really should yeah, read I it. Yeah, need to read it. Um, so I'll probably take it with me in case I can sneakily force her to sign it. Um, and to be fair, though, once we saw her and then we started looking at the list, there really were a few, quite a few people that we wanted to see. Um, yeah, who I'm, else are we seeing? Um, um, we're seeing um, Simon Sharma, which, as a history nerd, I'm really excited about. What he's um, doing, like a history of Jews or something like that. He's he? doing, yeah. So he's also been involved in Civilizations, which has just been on the BBC um, with Mary Beard and somebody else. They've kind of each taken a bit, and yeah, he's talking about. Uh, let me have a look. Sorry. Um, Simon Sharma is talking about, or his talk is titled Belonging, the Story of the Jew, 1492 to 1900. So I think it's really interesting because he's not going up as far as World War II, obviously, um, which is really interesting. And he's talking about um, individuals. So it's very, which is kind of the way that history is taught or discussed a lot now. It's, you know, it's the stories of people rather than the stories of big overarching events. So so it's going to say, so the blurb says, Sharma tells the stories not just of rabbis and philosophers, but of a poetess in the ghetto of Venice, a boxer in Georgian England, a general in Ming China, an opera composer in 19th century Germany. Um, The story unfolds in Kerala and Mantua, the starlit hills of Galilee, the rivers of Colombia, the kitchens of Istanbul, the taverns of Ukraine and the mining camps of California. So I think it sounded really interesting um, and it's all to do with a book that he's recently re- written called Belonging, the story of the Jews, I think. Um, so I might see if I can pick up a copy of it and give it a quick read, um, maybe from the library, actually, maybe, rather than buying it at first. But yeah, so really looking forward to that. Um, who else we seen? Who, uh, was it Andrew Davis? Hirsch. Oh, sorry. We'll go with Andrew Davis first. Yes, so I Andrew think Davis. he's the 
Now, is he the script writer? Screenwriter. The screenwriter of, um, like, the BBC's production of Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And I think, cause the, have you heard that they're about to do Les Mis? But, like, yes. not the musical version. Like, actually just uh, an adaptation of it. Yeah, so he, he did War and Peace which was really good yeah I um, loved War and Peace that was really good Bleak House Dr Zhivago and Pride and Prejudice and they're talking about the challenges of adapting the book uh, for the screen because <laughs> it's massive um, <laughs> yeah but it's I mean and it's also you, it's a six hour series apparently which you think is awesome probably quite a lot but it's not it's when you think about book, the fact though. that it's like yeah it's enormous but I guess he did if he's done War and Peace, then he can oh, probably yeah, do Les Mis. a big one as well. <laughs> so, so that one I'm really excited about. Because um, he, he's not somebody that I really knew much about. But no, I've, actually, like, I've not heard of him as an individual, but as soon as I read what he did for a living, um, yeah, I was really keen to go yeah. see him. Um, so we're also seeing Efwa Hirsch, which I only know that that's how you say it because of her episode on Love Stories. Um, yeah, I've not listened to that yet. Oh, it's Thank really you. good. That's a really interesting one. So her book is called Brit-ish. So ish is in brackets. Um, and it's about being British when you're not white British, I think. Um, yeah. It's about, so, the you know, yeah, it says, so the blurb says, British is, a, is about a search for identity. It's about the everyday racism that plagues British society. It's about our awkward, troubled relationship with our history. It's about why liberal attempts to be colourblind have caused more problems than they've solved. It's a, it, it is about why we continue to avoid talking about race. Um, so yes, it's about race, identity and belonging, um, which I think will be completely fascinating. Um, so I'm definitely going to try and pick up that book before, because her episode of Love Stories was was great um really really interesting because she is uh british ghanaian jewish i think so she's got several different cultural identities i guess um and has got a fantastic viewpoint on the world from from listening to her speak on the podcast so so yeah definitely definitely worth listening to that episode of dolly alderton's love stories um to get kind of an insight into what she's about um, but I think that I think that talk will be will be fascinating. Um, yeah. Who else are we going to see? Um, who else are we going to see? We're not going to see. Not Bear Grylls. Okay. We're not seeing Bear Grylls. Are we? Hang on. So we're going to see Tessa Dunlop. Is that yes, right? That she so that was the one you wanted to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you read what her... Yes. So, Tessa Dunlop uh, is in conversation with Claire Armistead, but I don't know who Claire Armistead is. I feel like I've heard Sorry. of her, but maybe not. Um, so the blurb says, The author of The Bletchley Girls interviewed six centenarians for this wonderful collection of tales, the final word from the women who have lived for the past hundred years of British history. Through the prism of their own experiences and memories, she tells the human story of how women gr- gradually began to build independent lives for themselves in the modern world of post-Great War Britain by retelling what their actual day-to-day reality was like through the decades. Ah, oh, yeah, it sounds um, really good. I, th- I think I'd never yeah. heard of her before, but I thought that her talk sounded really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, it's like I said about um, 
Simon Sharma really, isn't it? It's that kind of personal histories, I think is the term I was actually looking for. Um, so you really get an understanding of what life is like for people in different periods of time. Um, you know, it's not all about um, kings and presidents and popes anymore. Um, and yeah, sort of hearing particularly, you know, through the last hundred years of being a woman, things have changed massively, haven't they? You know, gone from not having the vote to having the vote to being able to own property and abortions and divorces and all this stuff that we just completely take for granted. It'll be really interesting to hear what she has learned from from women who've, you know, over a hundred years old. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I hope I get to live to be that old. I think yeah. I think I hope to like <laughs> I'd like to be that old if I can be that old and well. Super healthy and well, yeah. Yeah. So Cool, yeah, so that's the Hay Festival, which we still yeah. to try and go to for quite a while now. Um mm. It does mean that we should have plenty to talk about in the next episode, hopefully. Yes, yes, because that's at the... Yeah, so that's only in about six weeks' time, isn't it? Is it end of May? Yeah, end, end of May. May. Yeah, I've got a really busy May, so I'm hoping I'm going to get to read between now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but, cool. yeah. So, the other topical thing, which Just I feel to... like was announced a while ago now, but because we kind of missed an episode... It we was. ...we were going to talk about it, is... Um, what was the Bailey's Prize for Fiction, which is now just the, sorry, the Bailey's Women's Prize for Fiction is now just the Women's Prize for Fiction, announced their long list. So yes. we were going to have a quick chat about the long list and yes, actually so see they... how many we'd actually heard of, because usually <laughs> I have not heard of hardly any of them. Actually, this year, I have heard of quite, and read a few of them, surprisingly. So mm. um, I've got it so, in yeah, front so of me. This was, so... I believe... So, yeah, so the long list was announced on the 8th of March and the short list is actually going to be announced, I think... Soon, isn't it? Later this week. I think yeah, like it's going to be announced on the 20... On Monday the 23rd, I think, of April. Um, so, hopefully... Yeah, so quite soon. Um, but, yeah, so how many books are on the long list? It's one, two... 16? Uh, 16 books on the long list. I have read a grand total of one of these books. Well, that's better than none. Yeah. How many have I but read? I've read? I've heard of quite a few of them. Well, I've read one. No, you've read two on this. I know no. for a fact you've read two on this. Oh, yeah, I've read two, there actually, yeah. Go. Well, one of them I've... clearly made such a great impression on Yeah, you've forgotten it. Yeah, oh, I've gosh. read one. Maybe three. <clears throat> or maybe I've already read two. So which three have you read? I think which... I've only read two. Um, so I've read Three Things About Elsie, which I think I... Mm-hmm. Did I speak about last time? I think I did. Yeah, it was and... like the last time or the time before. Yeah, and See What I Have Done, which we've both read yeah, by Sarah so... Schmidt. So yeah, so I've obviously read See What I Have Done and Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, which I know I talked about last time. I did. Honestly, I'm really surprised to see See What I Have Done on that list. Um, I... I'm in part of a, a London book group, uh, book club Facebook group and somebody posted the long list and basically said that on this list is a combination of the things that some of the best books she's read in years and some of the worst that she's read in years. Um, and I mean, having read two of them, 
yeah, it's kind of... I think it's just really interesting to see what goes on these lists. I yeah, mean, and I don't know if I can ever quite work out what the... I'm going to keep calling it the Baileys, I apologise, but <laughs> what the Women's Prize for Fiction is about. And actually, yeah. it's really difficult because obviously I haven't read all of that long list. Um, there's a lady no. who I follow on YouTube that's currently reading them all and reviewing them. I can't uh-huh. remember her name for the life of me. I'll, I'll link her channel in the show notes. Um, so it's quite difficult when you haven't read them all to kind of put your finger on what what the Women's Prize for Fiction is about. But yeah. I'm wondering from so what's the, from past what's like the years, yeah, from here. past years, the ones that I've read, I wonder if if they go for books that are just a bit different. Like they're not run of the mill yeah. and there's always something a little bit different about them so although we didn't enjoy see what i have done actually it was very different it was very different um and to be honest like i think i said that about elena oliphant as well i mean yeah to be fair, did. since since having said that the more people i see talking about elena oliphant I think the more in the minority I am in not really liking it all that much. Um, other people have loved it. Then again, loads of people have seemed to have loved See What I've Done as well. It got really, it's been, you know, really highly rated on things like Refinery29 and The Pool and those kind of women's online magazines, essentially. I, I do think they um, tend to be books that hit the mainstream, that are, yeah. that have something different about them, which is why, we've talked about this before, yeah. um, which is why they end up with a lot of hype and why they end up with a lot of people enjoying them, is because I think they're different to what people yeah. might normally read. Uh, so I So looking at the list... I've seen a lot of people on the tube reading The Ministry of Utmost Happiness by Arundhai Roy um, and Sing Unburied Sing by Jessamine Ward. Um, I've, I've seen, seen a lot, lot of people, people reading, reading um, The Mermaid and Mrs Hancock as well. Yes, yeah, you're right. Um, so, Which is and different, seen... like what I've heard about that, like the, the story sounds very different to, isn't it about some like ancient mermaid that they've found like some preserved mermaid or something like that like the story does sound quite not like different um, it's not run of the mill is it a bit like the shape of water then no i don't think it's i feel like i'm making this up now i don't think it's alive i think it's it's like a museum artifact or something like Uh, that okay i'm not sure i might be making something about mermaids at the moment yeah i don't know but yeah i think and, you, and three things about Elsie, even though I didn't particularly enjoy it, it's not something, it's not three like anything I've Elsie, ever read before. Three things about Elsie has had a lot of publicity at the moment. Actually, I've seen sort of tube billboards about it, you know, with that yeah. very distinctive Battenberg design. You um, know, it's about the elderly and it's about dementia and, and you know, yeah. um, people with dementia in, in society and how they're treated in kind of care facilities and although I didn't enjoy it because I felt it dragged and I thought the plot was a bit bizarre in points and uh, other plot points quite obvious um I'm aware that I am hypercritical of of writing and actually if I could just read for the pure enjoyment of things and not critique on people's writing style and that kind of stuff um I think I'd enjoy books a lot more (laughs) Mm. but yeah I wonder if books make this list by just being slightly removed from the norm 
Yeah, so I mean, I'm looking up, for instance, the first one on the list because it's alphabetically, which is Happy by Nicola Barker, which is, which apparently is, um, oh, where's it gone? Oh, yeah, so the book description is literally from the internationally acclaimed man booker shortlisted Nicola Barker comes a new lo- new novel, a post post apocalyptic story that overflow- overflows with pure creative talent. So, I mean, it's not um, dissimilar to what we've been talking about. Um, with some of the other books that you've been reading recently in terms of the, the horror side of things but um, but the thing that I'm finding really interesting is when I'm just quickly googling some of these books that I've not heard of because I've not heard of Happy and you look at them on Amazon the customer reviews are really polarised so, yeah they usually are I think yeah so you're, I think you're right in saying that a lot of these books are just quite different and yeah when people see books not nominated for something like particularly when it was the Bailey's Prize, and we definitely talked about this before, as to what connotations does Bailey's give it. But um, I think people think, oh, it'll be, you know, like a popular book. It'll be something that I'll just really like. And these are kind of, some of them are slightly more challenging reads, I guess. Like, And by challenging, I mean not a straight down the line story, something that's got, something that will make you think a bit about it in terms of whether that's to do with the, the writing style or the context or the you know the subject matter it was a bit like the Essex Serpent because the Essex Serpent yeah. was shortlisted or maybe it didn't make the shortlist but it was longlisted last year I think yeah I think before. It was. Um, and actually before, that gets polarised reviews because it made it into the mainstream and obviously made it onto lists like this that make it popular and then people read it and go, oh, hold on a minute, this is really boring mm. and <laughs> I don't understand her, her narrative is rubbish. And yeah. actually, we've talked about the fact that she should, that book is going, only going to appeal to certain people. and But it, at the same time, that is what makes it different. And that's why I think it made it onto the list. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the one that's, well, as I'm Googling, the one that's coming up with the highest overall rating is um, When I Hit You by Mina Kandasami. Kandasami. I'm really sorry, Mina, for butchering your name. Um, and I can't actually find a description of it. But, yeah, so, so the first review says it's powerful and violent. Um, it's a thought-provoking and shocking account of one woman's experience with domestic violence presented in a novelised form. Mm, um, sounds interesting. So, like we're saying, that's not something that's going to appeal appeal to everybody. I think that's probably going to no. be a really difficult read. You know, and this reviewer has said, you know, some of what happens in this book is horrifying. Um, and I think, by the looks of things, it's based on her experience, her her personal experience, which you know makes, which always makes something like that a lot more difficult to read. But I think that sounds. Um, incredibly interesting um and definitely one that i'm going to pick up actually looking at some of these reviews because it sounds like it's beautifully written um but yeah i think yeah these books are not going to appeal to the mass no i kind kind of of wish that i had read them all so that i could comment Mm. on which ones i thought would be shortlisted Um, because to be honest like the two that i have read on there it wouldn't surprise me if they made the shortlist I think Eleanor Oliphant will, because it is it is very clever, um, 
and it's it has, quite relevant as well it's isn't very it? relevant it's it's really a lot of people find it very touching um and it was i would agree to a degree um you know it's an interesting it's an it's, i think that will probably make the short list um, i think three things about elsie will as well yeah so it'll be interesting to see which actually do um i was also looking at the so the international man booker prize shortlist has been announced i've not even heard of any of them and i know that's because it's international so it's got a whole world of books to look at yeah i mean i've not normally heard of them i know that um our book club chose the international man booker is like one of the themes for our read perhaps last year and i remember reading that book and absolutely loving it i can't remember what it's Mm. called now oh that's really annoying i can't remember it's called um a whole life not a little life it's called a whole life okay and it's quite short and i absolutely loved it and it's because we we um we picked it from the international shortlist i think yeah so there's only six books on the shortlist um and like i said none of them i've heard of but i'll be interested to see which there and it's going to be announced on the 21st of may i think yes and i've not heard of any of those either oh and the other thing that's going to be announced soon which uh, when we go to hay i was kind of hoping we'd get there in time for depending on who the winner is of it was um oh god the dylan thomas the dylan thomas is it prize for fiction yeah I've got the Hay Festival thingy up. Um, because yeah, um, actually, o'clock, isn't it? although I've only read one book on there, which I think is, I think Idaho made it on there. So yeah, so the Dylan to the Dylan Thomas Prize is for writers aged 39 and under. The long-listed authors does include... Um, yeah, Mina. Does include Mina Kandasami. Yeah, so um, she's on there. Um, um, Elle Met, which is on the... Women's, on the women's prize on there as well. as well so there's quite a lot of overlap between these yeah lisa mckinney so she won the baileys prize a couple of years ago so yeah i just think that um that prize sounds really interesting as well so i think they it's a yeah conversation with the winner isn't it yeah it is yeah so i think it will be it will be interesting um i'm, I'm hoping that emily reskovich wins she's been shortlisted so the shortlist yeah has she's just the only one announced. i know on the shortlist so i'm hoping she um, so she Sally wins, Rooney, Conversations with Friends, I've seen people reading a lot on the tube and it's one that I've been intending to pick up. Um, but yeah, this shortlist looks very good. Um, it looks like a very diverse shortlist as well. You know, four women, two men, um, two people of colour, I think. The pictures are black and white that I'm looking at. So Yeah, I think there's two people on there. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, it's really interesting. It's not particularly yeah. a prize that I've necessarily... I have heard of it, but I've not looked into it before. No, so, And when I. I saw the long list, I thought it was a really good one. So maybe yeah. it's one that I'll watch more closely in future. And I think if and we make it to the talk, it'd be really interesting. Definitely. And it's linked with Swansea University as well. So, good old Swansea. Um, yeah, good old Swansea. <laughs> the one in between our two universities. Yeah. <laughs> Geographically no, speaking. me and you have been to dylan thomas's boathouse together haven't we? we have we have we had a welsh tea in the garden in Larne, yeah <laughs> um so yeah i think uh 
so yeah, we'll keep you posted prizes on. but yeah i think uh i don't know i want to make more of an effort with prizes and because when i yeah. have picked books off prize list before i have either been surprised by them or i've really enjoyed them and um i didn't I... enjoy the power which won uh the baileys last year but that's you know another story um every, i think but, every yeah. um every man booker prize book that i've picked up i've really enjoyed so the ones that stick in my mind are the narrow road to the deep north by richard flanahan um and a little life obviously which i think i talk about every single episode um i'll stop soon i promise those two are really strong man booker prize winners or shortlisted in both cases um and yeah, and I think because you've said before that you get slightly overfaced by the idea of it being Man Booker Prize because you know yeah. you think Man Booker and you think, oh my god, it's going to be really cerebral. <laughs> mm. um, and I find them all to be really enjoyable. So yeah, definitely, definitely something we should make more of an effort with. I think I should make more of an effort with the International Women's Prize for fiction. For fiction, I think I said it right at the beginning of the year that I need to make, that one of the things I wanted to do this year was make more of an effort with books not by white men. And to be honest, looking at the, so the nine, so I'm on to my 10th book of the year now, and that's only the second book of the year that's by a man. The other eight have been women. So that's pretty good. I don't pretty read a lot of books by men. I do, annoyingly. I read a lot by white British ladies. Probably yeah, class. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. The rest of the the rest of them have been all women or white women. I think um, yeah, Nora Ephron, Dolly Alderton, Jodie Pico, Lucy Vine, all all white women, as well as the other the other few. I think um, so. I need to diversify further. Yeah, mine are all but, white women, all white men. Yeah, yeah. So. This year. So yeah, so maybe that's something we should look at for our next episode. We should reading stuff by people from different different backgrounds. Because it's true. Because so, I read something by some somebody said, you know, when you're consuming film and TV and books all written by white middle class people, you're only getting one perspective on the world, and it's very true. I like to think of myself as informed, but clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of us are as informed as we like to think we are. No. But I like to think I try. <laughs> cool. So we've been talking for a while, so we have. listeners have an extra long podcast, but then we Woo-hoo! have we have had two months worth of stuff to talk about. Yeah, sorry um, for the uh, for the gap. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think if anybody is at the Hay Festival on is it the 26th that we're there? Yes, Saturday the 26th. Saturday the 26th. Then let us know and we can say hello. Meet yeah. up with people. Definitely. Um, in between, like, we've literally blocked our day out with buying tickets. We so have. we'll see. I'm hoping there's gaps in between so we can actually go and explore. But there I don't are. Know. <laughs> they, they put gaps of about half an hour or so between all of the sessions. And we don't have one in the... Oh, no, we do we do <laughs> we've got the whole afternoon booked out so oh god we really do we'll That's see funny. what happens um <laughs> we are only there for one day so we thought we'd make the most of it um yeah yeah and if anybody's 
I think while we were on kind of a little hiatus, we did get a few nice messages from people saying that they love the podcast and, you know, do an episode on this and do an episode on that. And that's really nice to get feedback and hear from people. Mm, so Definitely. So please keep it coming. Please let us know, like we said before, what you do like hearing, what you don't like hearing, if there's anything you'd like us to particularly cover, if there's anything you think we should particularly read. Always looking for recommendations. Yeah, and so. uh, you can get in touch either on Twitter, so... I'm at Notes to the Moon, and, and your what's yours, I am Alice? At underscore Ali Ali Alice um, on both Twitter and Instagram. So give me a shout on either of those. Yes, I'm the same on Instagram. I'm Notes to the Moon and on Instagram, our, and the podcast Twitter account is at Bookcast Club. Um, and you can also get us on email, which is thebookcastclub at outlook.com yes that's, that's right. right isn't it <laughs> it is we should have just chosen the same we should <laughs> both have both of them yeah um but yeah there you go you live and learn um i think that's probably it for today yeah so thanks for listening bye